This is Transistor.fm. Hello and welcome to Build Your SaaS. This is the behind the scenes story of building a web app in 2020. I am not John Buda, that's my, my partner. I'm Justin Jackson. And John's not here today, but I have got a great guest, Marie Poulin. She's a digital strategist, the co-founder of Okie Doki. She also has a software platform called Doki. And lately, she's been killing it, doing all sorts of work with Notion, webinars and courses and content. Welcome, Marie. Thanks for being here. What have you been doing lately? What <laughs> you, I, You've been doing Notion stuff, a lot of Notion stuff. There's a lot of Notion and going on. So what are what exactly are you doing for Notion right now? Like you're, you've got a course. I do. We're doing office hours. So every okay. week for the last, every week, probably since early September, I've been running some sort of casual open office hours for them. Every Friday morning, whoever wants to come on and we'll often bring on like a guest expert who is using Notion in some interesting way or wants to share a tool or a template. And it's like, it's pretty casual. It's kind of like sometimes interview style, sometimes it's how to. Um, and yeah, that kind of all stemmed because I just, I did a webinar just for fun that was like, holy crap, you need to see this tool. This is amazing. Here's how I'm using it. And the COO saw it and was like, who is this girl who knows how to use our tool better than our team does? What the heck? And he's like, can we chat? And it, it kind of blew up from there. Yeah. So, so you have an arrangement with Notion, like they are one of your clients now. No, not really. So our, our relationship is pretty informal at the moment where we're like in discussions of like, what could it look like? What would Marie like to do? What are the possibilities? So Interesting. If I was oh, wow. like, let's work full time, let's do this. Like they would, they would be totally down in a heartbeat, but interesting. I'm, I'm in a process where I'm figuring out like, okay, what do I really want? Long-term, short-term, what's possible? So, okay. Can, so yeah. that, that'll make, for, that'll make for some good conversation. So this is still in some ways quite nascent then it's like, um, it, this is still pretty new in terms of figuring out what it's going to look like. Definitely. Yeah. Like there was just such a, a fire around it. And I was like, Whoa, this like fast moving current is just totally pulling me over here. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll like start a YouTube channel. I'll, I'll start answering some of those questions that people keep asking me. And people were um, just emailing me, messaging me on Twitter, asking me questions all the time. And I'm like, okay, how does this work? I'm not tech support, but I do know a lot about the tool and I love it and I love sharing it. So what does this look like? Started the YouTube channel, that kind of exploded. And so between that and the office hours, people were just starting to see me as an authority in that space and as a helpful person. So then a, a course emerged, right? So I was like, okay, next natural step, let's get a course going. And then that kind of exploded. So it has continued to be like, whoa, where is this going? What's happening? <laughs> wow. I mean, this is why I, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you because lately I've been having this feeling. I think at one point, maybe I was part of that like rah-rah crowd, like everybody should start a SaaS. And um, I remember you and I talking, you had, you had recently started working on Oki, right? That was, is Do Oki the Doki name? Oki is of, our software. There's sorry, another whole Doki is the software. Yeah. <laughs> you you yeah. had recently started working on Doki. Yeah. And, um, and I remember being a little bit jealous even because I didn't have a SAS. I just had a course. And I remember hearing like you and Ben were working on this thing. And, uh, since, you know, we, you and I had, met and talked about that. I tried to start a few SASs and they didn't work. And then, you know, this is probably since then, this is my third time with Transistor. Yeah. But there's also just this feeling of maybe everybody shouldn't start a SAS. <laughs> yeah, admittedly, I'm biased because I'm not a developer too. So like, I, I don't know, I see how much effort goes into if you're building a SaaS, you're also the marketing person, you're the customer support, like, you know, all of this, right? You've had to do all of it from the ground up. So I think when we started, we had no idea like what that was going to entail. We'd only ever done client services. So you're like, oh, suddenly we have to either figure out how to do this stuff or hire someone to do it. It's a whole other world, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. And so what, how do you think your feelings have evolved since working on Doki to now? How do you feel about, you know, SAS and whether that's the, the right path for you or for other people? How do you think about that now? Yeah. The things that popped up for us along the way, okay, obviously lots of, lots of mistakes were made along the way. Um, incredible, incredible learning. I feel like that's just like entrepreneurship school. Like just, it's incredible yeah. learning. But some of the things we didn't really think about were like from a business model perspective, you're looking at a low price point, low touch, and like relatively high effort activities. Like, you know, Ben was almost full time on Doki. Um, Mm -hmm. And then it's like a $29 a month fee. And then the second someone is using up the customer support, it was like, wait a second, like this is not super sustainable. And previously to that, all of our engagements with clients were like three years long, like working really deep, long-term, high retainers. So to go from that to like this really low price point where, you know, you don't even see the person, it's such a low, low impact. It's sort of, it, Mm -hmm. it, it was a totally different way of working that was not what we were used to. And it was a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, so much of this is, this is hard stuff to navigate, right? Because you and I are people that like to share what we're learning. We like to, you know, um, share our journey. And there's part of that, which is wanting to encourage people to go after, you know, what they want, like, what are they trying to achieve? And so there's a part of me that is like, no, I think, yeah, you have, you want to build a software company, like go and build a software company. But yeah, I, I just, I'm wondering now if, if there's some other factors people need to consider, like even what you were saying about your work with Notion now, and you just felt like you were getting pulled by this current, you know, acknowledging that business is difficult, partly because you're almost like looking and waiting for that moment to happen when you get swept away there's some traction there's some yeah no I just I think yeah you kind of have to be all in on your idea right and I and like I'll be I'll I'm totally fine to like be quite vulnerable and tell you just some of the things that have come up for me in the process but part of the reason we built the tool we did was because I was doing a lot of web design work with people who had online courses and I was doing all this integration work, hooking up payments to this and that. Like there were just so many moving parts that I was doing from a technical standpoint. And we were like, oh, there's got to be an easier way to do this. So like, let's build a tool. Like let's spend a year building a tool to make this, <laughs> this yeah. one part of our business easier, uh, which is, you know, so funny looking back. But um, so we didn't even build the tool for ourselves first. We immediately went to like, oh, and then this is a thing we can sell and market it. But mm. we were trying to solve so many problems. I think SASs that I think work really well with like a small person team is like you're solving a really specific problem and it's a very specific problem that the market wants. And so we're like, oh, as soon as you're talking online courses, it's like, well, does it have landing pages? Does it do payment integration? Does it do, does it integrate video? Can I upload my video? So for our first SAS, it was like, holy crap, we bit off an elephant. Like we weren't even trying, like, let's make one part of this process easy. We're like, we'll just yeah. do the entire, entire thing, which is bananas looking back. Um, yeah. And then it was part of that too, being in the online course space, we started to attract people that were thinking like everyone wants that leveraged life. They want like more ease and, you know, revenue in their sleep. That's what the sort of SaaS dream is, right? Like I'm making money in my sleep, but we started to attract an audience that was thinking like an online course is going to save their business. Right. Mm -hmm. Or like if they just sign up for the platform, somehow like the course is going to magically materialize. (laughs) Yeah. And, Yeah. And so it felt like we were, we were attracting an audience that really wanted a quick fix but weren't, didn't have the tools and capacity to do the work. So then you have people signing up for your platform that are like taking six months before they're like actually ready. And I don't know if you see this on the, on the podcast side where someone signs up and they're like not actually ready to launch their podcast yet. Yeah. A ton. Yeah. Oh man. There's so much in that, (laughs) that I just need to unpack. We'll see if I can remember everything. Um, I mean, one thing is you just bring up this idea that there are so many vectors that you need to get right with this. You need um, founder market fit. Like you need to like your market. You need to have some sort of advantage in that market, hopefully some history. Then you need founder product fit, meaning like this product 
Uh, and in that sense, I'm mostly thinking like, do the fundamentals of this business align with your values? Are they going to get you where you want to go? Is this product a good product for you to work on? Like, do you have some sort of, and actually maybe that's a different vector. Like maybe it is. Does this business model align with me? Like founder business model fit, founder product fit. And then, um, and then you have the, you know, product market fit and like all these other things. Like there's this whole spectrum of things that need to come together. And it's no wonder that it's so difficult for people to like, yeah, it's just when you jump into it and you're like, okay, here I go. And you've got that momentum and you've got that enthusiasm and you're motivated, but you can't, it's almost like you can't beat this machine. Like unless everything is checked off and working, it's going to be tricky, right? Totally. And and I would find myself, <laughs> it's like the marketing thing to do would be like making content that's how to get your online course launched faster. And so I did actually, I did produce a course that was like run your learning launch, like just ship a rough thing that you can learn mm-hmm. from. And that was the thing that, again, building a course to support SAS to try and get more people activating and, and launching their courses. But I, I was so frustrated by this problem of people not taking action and delaying and procrastinating that I'm writing blog posts like an online course is not going to save your business, which is like not <laughs> the thing that's going to get them signing up for the, the software. But it was the thing I really believed in. So I felt yeah. conflicted about I don't think I can ethically in a way go all in and being like online courses are the thing that are going to save your business. And I say this as someone who makes a lot of money with online courses from mm-hmm. what I've seen of other people. I, in some ways, I feel like I'm in a, in a top percent of like luck, whether you want to call it luck or just alignment or finding the right problems and whatever, but it, even launching online courses is its own, its own set of challenges. Like, does the market want this? Is the, is the way I'm delivering this? Does it make sense? Like you've done courses, you've done software, like you've, you've probably seen some success really easy with some, and then it it kind of misses the mark with others. I mean, maybe this is also why you like notion, so much because people are already in motion searching for notion. Like they're already, um, they want like the, the bar, the threshold you need to cross for, I'm going to be, go from basic notion user to like pro that bar is way, that threshold is way smaller than I'm going to go from no business to a profitable business that yes. will support my family. Yep. And I wonder if that's one of the reasons you're even enjoying the work is because you've got these people in motion and it's you can actually have a meaningful impact on most of them. It's like tiny breakthroughs. It's like, oh, let's build a note-taking system. Let's build it. Like you can almost... Mm-hmm solve a hundred different types of problems in Notion. So it's like, cool, which one do we want to focus on? Let's, you know, let's build you a dashboard. Let's build you a bullet journal. Like, what do you want? It's it's like so open-ended. The possibilities are almost endless. So you can really narrow in and be like, let's just solve this one problem, not a hundred different ones. Let's just focus here. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's going to be the, (laughs) that's going to be the the tricky part for, um, if you think about, like the, again, this, this threshold idea is interesting. Going from zero to one in business, you, you're already, so whether that's launching a course or starting a SaaS or starting a consulting company, going from zero to one is where you lose like 95% of the people mm. because it, it's just difficult. It's, <laughs> it, the, the, again, there's so many things that need to align. And the, the, the number of people who go from zero to one is very small. And then, then again, the people that can go from one to two is Keep dropping off. Pro- <laughs> it's dropping off, right? And so I think a business education, whether that's business education and also even like aspirational business platforms, and to a certain extent, like course platforms, podcasting platforms email platforms, blogging platforms are all in this category, membership platforms, um, because most of our customers are are going to be aspirational. Right. And that, and there is going to be, uh, uh, 
like our numbers aren't live anymore, but if you look at the open startups for ConvertKit and other like membership programs, you know, there's a, a regular rate of churn every month. It's just some people aren't going to make it. It's 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 inherent in that market. Yeah. Um, and there's definitely days where I wish like <laughs> like yeah, I wish I could just teach people like Notion, and then I can I know that if they came to me, I have a high degree of confidence that when they walk away, they're going to be better off in a way that they can use every day for a long time, right? Yeah, that's another good point too. It's like a thing that someone uses every day. Um, And like, I'm not having to do customer support for Notion. I don't have to hear all the complaints of like, why isn't your API ready? Like my ego is removed from that. I don't have to hear, like, of course I still hear people's sort of complaints and struggles, but I'm removed from it as a non-founder. I'm like, oh, well, Mm -hmm. let me just show you how to solve for that. And I don't have to like, be kept up at night with the anxiety of like, are our users like, you know, is it the uptime and whatever? Like there's way less anxiety when I'm talking about someone else's software than my own, right? It's a whole different Mm -hmm. ballgame. Yeah, I could totally see that. It it might be helpful actually to back up a bit and to ask you, like when you were starting out, like right at the beginning with business, what were you doing it for? Like uh, the web design work I was doing? Like, as in, what was the purpose that was driving you? Like, what what did you want to achieve that you couldn't achieve in paid employment? Like, what was driving Uh, you? Yeah, Yeah, I had worked at a studio for almost four years as a designer, and I didn't have a ton of control over the, the types of clients and the types of projects. So for me, there was like a freedom aspect of like, I want to choose, I want more creative projects, or I want a creative challenge, or I, I just want a little bit more control over the types of people that I work with. Interesting. And was there any, was there any like monetary or like, what what were the other dynamics in there? (laughs) Like, like, were you hoping to make more money or have like more free time personally? Or like, was there any of that stuff too? I mean, sure. Money is always part of it too. Like I worked at it, it was a two person studio and I was one of those two people. (laughs) So it was a tiny, tiny studio. There was nowhere else to go. Uh, My boss was amazing. He treated me like his equal and I learned so much from him. And there was just such amazing mentorship there. That was awesome. And I knew there was sort of a ceiling there where like I was the, the interactive person, he was the print guy. And so I didn't have anyone above me either that was like, here's how to do things. I'm like Googling. I'm just like figuring stuff out as I go, looking at other freelancer websites, like a list apart. Like there was so many things I didn't know. And I'm just like trying to figure it out on my own. And I think um, just knowing that there wasn't really, there was nowhere to climb up and it, it just kind of was going to be what it was going to be. Uh, mm-hmm. I I think I was, yeah, seeking like, okay, well, can I work on bigger projects, what would that look like? Like, What's what's possible for me? How much money do I want to earn? I, I definitely kind of hit a bit of a ceiling if I were to stay at a, you know, one, two person shop. So there was a financial aspect for sure. Uh, but my goal in year one was like, can I earn as much as I did in my full-time job? If I did, that's a win, right? And so once I did that my first year, I'm like, okay, like it's possible. What's next, right? And you just kind of keep keep leveling up. Yeah. Yeah. And so what do you think if you're going to like articulate, okay, here's the picture of a better life that I want out of this business. How do you think you would have articulated that back then? And how has that changed now? For me, it's so much. I just want to, I want to choose. I want to decide what I'm working on. I want to work with cool people that are, that are having an impact. I don't want to work on crummy projects that just end up in like things that end up in a landfill. Like I wanted to work with people who were doing big things in the world. And I could be the kind of person behind the scenes that was sort Mm -hmm. of helping activate them and get their stuff out there. Um, I've worked with Marie Forleo. I've worked with Natalie McNeil. I've worked with people who are just, they've got these big online programs and they're like just doing big ass stuff out there. And I was like, yes, Mm -hmm. if I could be a supporting role in that, I was super excited and activated by that. That's yeah. definitely changed a little bit today. Like now I'm asking myself, like, what is my body of work? Like, what is the legacy work that if I die tomorrow, like I can be happy that that was out into the world and that was impacting people in a positive way. So mm-hmm. it's a little less like, oh, I'm behind the scenes quietly working away. And it's more like, okay, well, what do I, what do I want my work to have stood for? Yeah. Yeah. See, th- these questions are so interesting to me because I'm, I mean, part of me is also trying to figure out why is there such a big group of people 
who want this now. Mm. And a lot of them, uh, well, I don't know if I can even generalize this way, but it, it seems especially like folks my generation and younger. So I'm, I'm 1980, so I'm probably just on the tail end of Gen X. And then you had millennials. And I'm not sure what the generations after that, but definitely those two generations, Gen X and millennials, there just seems to be a lot of folks in there that are like, okay, like, I don't want the old, like, I want the van life. I want to live right. in a, like, the, the thing, the idea that that's a trend is, is crazy, right? I know. <laughs> or um, even, um, like, I want to live on the island in a beautiful place and surrounded by nature, right? There's, yeah. there's these, these things that we want, and I want work that is meaningful. I want, I mean, for me, a lot of it was, I want freedom. Like, I don't want to have to drive two hours a day. I don't want someone to have to approve when I can go on vacation and when I can't. So two days ago, uh, I just took a, like an emotional day off. It was not doing well. Um, just personally, there was some stuff and I stayed home and I just messaged John, my co-founder and said, Hey bud. And we're pretty honest with each other. I'm like, I just don't feel good emotionally today. And I just by like accident, I had a, a therapy appointment booked for 1 PM. So basically like I stayed in bed and then I went to therapy. Went to therapy. <laughs> and then at the end of the day, I felt like just emotionally, like someone had squeezed me like a, you know, like a, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like I'm all, I'm all gone. And I was thinking even about that, like what, how did I handle that when I was employed? And maybe I just have more emotional days than other people. Cause I, I you, you never know. Cause people hide it. Cause I just had to hide yeah. it. Yeah. I just had to suck it up. And, and I think there's a a group of us that are like, no, I want something better. And we've latched on to this idea of starting our own business to get there. And now I'm just wondering, hmm, maybe there is other ways that folks haven't considered. <laughs> right? Yes, totally. Yeah, there's like lots to say on that too. I don't even know. Um, I feel like, do you feel like mental wellness, mental health has has started to become destigmatized and I feel like it's in our language in a way that that maybe wasn't 20 30 like however many years ago it wasn't as common like there are still people today that that are like therapy that's what you do when you're broken or your brain isn't working or like I got this so it's still starting to become I think quite normalized and everyone can be like what you don't have a therapist you got to get a therapist it's it's normal in a way that wasn't so I think people were a little bit more maybe disconnected and you're like you just pull up your bootstraps and you show up to work and you got to do what you got to do. And it was, it was kind of buried. And now that we've got a little bit more acceptance and freedom around it, we're sort of like owning it and being like self-care day, whatever. Like it's almost more casual in a way. Yeah. There's a, there's an agency called Titan that I met through the Laravel community and they have like for them, um, mental health days are just normal sick days. And so uh, the leadership there has, uh, you know, uh, yeah, that, that's something that came from the top down. And I think that's a, like a good, I think there's always going to be those of us that are just like, you know, we, the, the only slot for us or like the best slot for us is owning our own business. Right. And actually let's just focus on that for right now, because that's the space that you're in. Cause you were saying like, uh, you feel like you're, uh, well, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but how would you, well, that, but how would you contrast like the, the, your business now that you're running now as compared to running Doki in terms of like, in terms of revenue, in terms of potential, in terms of margin has, is there a difference? I mean, so a lot has changed and I don't know how, like how much you're aware, but like Ben is working full time now. Mm. He's been working full time since August. So in August, he got headhunted, things exploded with Notion. So already the business looks 
completely different than it did eight months ago, like completely different. Um, so Doki, Doki still hums. We, we were wondering, like, what is this going to mean for our software if Ben is the only one that maintains that code base? Like, I couldn't update any code there. Like, I wouldn't know what to do. Uh, so we're like, if Ben is working full time, like, what is that going to mean for the software? And we had lots of questions around, is this the right move? What does this mean? Do we shut it down? Do we just kind of let it do its thing? And we decided to let it do its thing. And it just hums along behind the scenes. It pays our mortgage. It pays our bills. And that, like, we don't worry about feature development. We're not too worried. Like, if Ben wants to do that on his spare time and he's motivated enough to do that, he gets to do it. But it, it kind of, in a way, took the decision making out of it. We're like, oh, well, it's still serving people. We still have people signing up for it. All of our consulting clients use it. So, like, meh, it just kind of is what it is. Most of our revenue still comes from consult, like, my revenue comes through consulting. Ben's is through his full-time job. So again, a lot has changed. You're catching me like in the middle of like a very interesting time in my business. Yeah. And I think even that is a good picture of, it's it's so easy to lose sight of what got us, what, why did we do this in the first place? Right? Like what were we trying to achieve? You know, I was talking to one fellow um, who was also on the island and I was trying to help him he he thought he wanted to start his own business. So he had zero audience. Uh, you know, he was really had never built anything on his own. And I was going to try to help him go from zero to one. And as we were talking, I mean, the first question I said is, okay, like, why are you here? What are you trying to get out of this? What's this for? And he said, you know, he had this goal of, I think it was making an extra 20 or 30,000 a year because he figured he needed to save that uh, for his kids for different reasons. I was like, okay, that's a great goal. And we start getting into this and, you know, we start. And after a while, I was like, wait a second, what is the most efficient way for this fellow to improve his life in this way? And I said, you know, to be honest, I think like the effort that you're going to put into a business and the chance of success is like very, very low compared to putting that same effort into applying at jobs and getting a job that pays forty or fifty thousand higher, mm-hmm. negotiating, yeah, exactly. And he just he just hadn't thought of that because in his mind it's like no the 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 way that I get what I want is to go through business. But I think we need to be open and say no. There are many paths to the life that you want, right. and. Everything from cutting personal expenses to, uh, you know, staying full-time employed, but just applying at different places, getting more leverage, uh, maybe earning a little bit of income on the side. I was was even thinking about Megamaker, which is this online community that I run. And when I was really, like, hungry and desperate, I was trying to push that sucker to, like, pay all my bills. (laughs) Yeah, like, yeah, you put this unrealistic pressure on parts of your yeah, business. You're trying to get it to fill a room that, I mean, it's like music. Like if, you, if you've ever like been a performer and you get into a venue that's too big for you and you're oh. just trying to fill this room, but you can't, that's interesting. what it felt like. And yeah. now that Transistor provides my full-time income and you know, all of that financial pressure is gone. Mega Maker is actually like doing almost better, but it's never going to make a hundred thousand dollars a year, but it might make thirty or forty thousand dollars a year and with way less effort and way less stress and so yeah what what do you think are some things people should think of like what what went into you know Ben wanting to go back to work and you know and you thinking about how your business would change? After that happened, this opportunity kind of fell on Ben's lap at a time where we were wondering, like, what is the next step for Doki? Like, if we're not marketing it heavily or we're not like doubling down and growing it, then what are we doing with it? Like, what does it mean? What do we want it to mean? You know, all of that stuff. So we were definitely rattling with this for a while. And I think it was causing Ben a lot of anxiety. He kind of had to shoulder and carry 
whatever anxiety from the product because the people I'm working with are the people who are like building courses and succeeding and I'm seeing the money coming in and I'm coaching with them. Mm -hmm. We're like, yeah, yeah. But then Ben will see all the tech support stuff or when things aren't working or when Stripe changes like GDPR stuff. And you're like, do I invest all this time in the GDPR stuff when our client base isn't that big? No one's going to note it. Like all of these decisions, it's like a hundred decisions a day that was mostly on Ben to make those decisions. And I think we hadn't factored in, like, because the software is so big, because there's so many integrations, there's so many other pieces you're relying on, that that was causing a lot of anxiety for Ben. And I had to, I had to also respect that, yeah, like, I, I feel you. And like, if this is really impacting you in a way that is no longer fun, well, we need to think about that, because what is the point of doing this if it's not fun anymore? So how can we how can we make it fun or like what needs to happen so that you feel like you're getting what you need out of the business? And then job comes along. You're like, huh, that's funny. Uh, and same technical stack as Doki, similar challenges. It was like so aligned and it, it kind of just, that was another decision we didn't have to make. And we're like, well, fuck it. Let's see where this, let's see where this goes. And it's been so cool to see Ben in more of a leadership role, to be collaborating with people. Like the tech part is so, so easy for him. So suddenly he's able to take the skills that he was doing, but now they're they're being applied at a much bigger scale, which is like, yes, okay, I can you can see the impact of your work. But if you only have a handful of customer, you're sort of like, ah, oh, like what's the it's hard to get behind that. So so that was one piece of it, yeah. I, I had one, sorry, just one thing. I had my friend Jathan in Kamloops. It was like, I was like, this is when I was employed. And I was like, just like, uh, actually I was working with a client. That's what it was. And I was just complaining about it. It was like a bad, you know, I'm having it. a bad time. And I said, you know, I'm never going to work for clients again. And he's like, Justin, just so you know, there are better clients than this client that you've got. Like you are seeing this here and it's making you color everything else with the same brush. But it is possible that there is a client out there that could give you everything you want out of life and more. And there's a lot of bad clients too, but you can't completely shut that out because why would you say that the only possible thing that's ever going to make you happy is having your own sass? Yeah. Oh yeah. There's so many... <laughs> so many other ways, different ways. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, sorry, I interrupted you. So then how, so, so this thing lands on, on Ben's lap and uh, he decides to go that way. And then at the same time, Notion lands on your lap. How does that affect your world? It, I'm honestly, it's pretty bananas. Like just doing the webinar, I feel like my business changed overnight. Like it okay. looks c completely different than it did. Like ran the webinar suddenly this huge influx of activity and people reaching out and Notion reaching out and the YouTube channel and things just kind of exploded. Um, and I launched the course and like the course replaced my client income like immediately. Really? Yes. Wow. So I was like, okay, clearly. And like, it's not even, you can't even find it on my website. People have Googled it and found it. I think I mentioned the link on like one of my YouTube video and like, people have been purchasing it, even though it's not like publicly available for sale. And so it has done very well. Wow. So I'm like, okay, well, what does this mean? Like there, I mean, I don't know how much I'm allowed to talk about the actual notion side of it. Cause again, I don't mm. work with them, but they're yeah. like, holy crap, there's some traction here. Right. And mm -hmm. I've become a bit of an ambassador, uh, unpaid ambassador for them, but there are options there where I could say, Hey, like, do you want to license my IP? Like, is that a thing we could do? Do you want to pay for me to travel and talk about the product and go go train a team in London? Like, there's so many opportunities that have opened up as a result of that. So the consulting inquiry started coming in immediately, immediately. Uh, so it shifted from doing these bigger, longer-term retainer clients to suddenly, like, let's get your Notion stuff set up, like, up and running in a couple of weeks or whatever. Um, and that's been like incredibly lucrative, easy, fun. I'm like, well, okay, let's just see, let's see where this takes me. I just kind of kept an open mind about it and it's been so fun. So I'm like, I'm back to teaching again what I love. It's, I have an evergreen course that can kind of still sell on autopilot. So I'm getting like the best of both worlds, a very leveraged thing to sell but still get to run office hours and connect with people. So I'm feeling like I'm starting to get all the different parts of what I really like. So I'm like, well, mm -hmm. 
maybe it doesn't look like what I expected it. I'm talking about someone else's software, but I was like, screw it. It's like kind of fun and easy. Like, let's see where this goes. Yeah. I mean, there's so much of that that is so great. Like, and especially the part where, like, I feel like in a lot of ways, Transistor, I mean, we work hard on it, but I don't work as hard as I did before. Like trying to get, for example, Mega Maker or my course to fill a room that it was never going to fill was way more work and way more stress than having this thing that is just pulling us along that were the momentum there. And there's so much momentum. It can sometimes feel like, well, this is easy. Cause like you said, people just show up. Yeah. Like every morning I open my shop door and there's a lineup of people that want notion education and training and help. Right. And that feeling is such a great feeling. And the thing I still don't understand is like, if we're, going to advise people on how to get what they want. How do we advise them about the, like, because there's a piece of this, which is to say, you can't be satisfied with something that's not working, right? Mm -hmm. I think. And then there's also a piece of this, like, which is, you've just got to be waiting and searching or like, what, what is the, is there some tangible steps people can take or is there a mindset that people need to have? Like what, Mm. what do you think? There's so much good stuff in there. Um, I think, okay. Part of it, I think is, is looking at your career a little bit like a playground, right? Like you're in, you're experimenting with maker maker. You're doing all these things. Like you're, you're listening, right? The whole time you're just like, where is there momentum? Where's their ease? Where is my skill set best being used, right? Mm-hmm. Where are your strengths kind of lining up with what's happening? And I think you, you can't find that until you've like been chucking stuff out there and seeing what's coming back to you. So there is a runway period, I think, where there has to be some like, I'm playing with stuff, I'm testing it, I'm not putting too much pressure on myself. Yes, it'd be nice if I can like make this thing make all the money. But if it doesn't, then I'm learning something. And as long as you're like learning and like pulling those nuggets and like, I don't think it's a coincidence necessarily that like you landed on Transistor and like, whoa, like you're paying attention to what's happening in the market. You're seeing the trends in podcasting. Like there is experience there that led you to notice where there was an opportunity there and you wouldn't have gotten there without all that stuff along the way. Yeah, I think, I mean, I've been saying almost exactly that, uh, that that is, I think that folks, and, and it does make me think like, because I, Essentially, I'm trying to figure out what encouragement can we bring to people? And I do feel like, especially in this age of like climate change, and there's a lot of things that can stress us out and that feel like big problems. And in the same way that like, find, like there's this big question of like, how do I find work that fulfills me and provides me with the life and the margin that I desire? I mean, that's a big question. Uh, And climate change is a big question. And, you know, all of the big questions in life are big. But the answer is, the answer is, like you said, to just be observing, look for opportunities, take it. Like, you can even though climate change is pressing and I feel like we need to work right now, I still realize that it's going to be a lot of people in that case, making individual efforts towards a big goal. And with your career or your life's work, I mean, that's mostly on you, but there's going to have to be a lot of little efforts along the way. And remember a shifting ecosystem that eventually things might align just because you know, the planets rotate around and then all of a sudden you've timing got, uh, right. yeah, you've got the timing. Um, and you know, on the, on that note of what you're, what you're saying is like, uh, something that came up for me with, with coaching with Tanya Geisler, um, because you know, I, I want my work to be like world changing and whatever, like there's, it's like when I'm helping people design their workflow and notion is like, am I changing the world? Like I do have those questions of like, is the work that I'm doing contributing to the world in a bigger way? And something that Tanya said was like, the way that you change the world doesn't have to also be only through your work, right? Mm-hmm. It might mean more, it might mean more volunteer time. It might mean lifestyle change. It doesn't have to be, I only work with clients that do this, or my work has to be 
like whatever it is. Like it doesn't have to necessarily be a climate change thing that I'm doing, but it might be working with people who are doing that, or it might be just sustaining myself in such a way that I'm able to make ethical investments over here or invest in an organization or whatever. Like it doesn't have to be the work that I'm doing every single day has to meet all of that criteria. I think mm. overall you're you're trying to create a feeling with your life of like, where are my resources going? Where's my time going? My energy? Am I fully present with the people in my life? Am I able to give energy to these organizations that I really care for? Can I donate? Can, what does that look like for you? And I think that's mm-hmm. that's going to be different for everyone. Yeah. And that's such a good, re- that's such a good reminder of, because you're right, we do put sometimes so much weight on this job, this business has to fulfill. Has to do everything. Everything. And you know, maybe John and I, in a sense, are there because we've been working so hard to get here, and now we're here, and we have a very comfortable life right now. It was almost like it flipped the switch; like we were uncomfortable, and we, and but it was still like fun because we're like working towards this thing, and there's like momentum, and we're trying to get there. And then we reached this the point that we'd wanted to get to, and then it's like, oh, well, wait a second. Well, now what? <laughs> now what? The and existential crisis comes in, right? That's right. And and there's this feeling of, wow, this isn't going to solve all my life's problems. Like there are a lot of other buckets in my life that need attention and care and, um, and that I'm going to need to develop. Uh, I've gotten really good at developing this business stuff, but am I going to develop my sense of local community? Am I going to develop like (laughs) inner peace? Am I going to develop, you know, like all these other things? And I think that's just a great reminder to to tell people like, do not put all of the onus on your business. Like you need your every, yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. And, and it's tricky because so much of our, our language in, you know, the people that are and again, I've been in this camp, rah, rah business, rah, rah, this will save, solve your problems. You know, uh, there needs to be way more, uh, nuance around that of this is this, that the whole person that you're going to become is going to be partly your work or the way you make money, but is going to, encompass and need all of this other stuff that you're going to have to develop alongside that. Like you don't think you're going to get there. And certainly money, having money does solve a lot of problems. Like I do not want to go back to being desperate (laughs) for money. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. But, and, and maybe that is the thing. Like once you solve the money problem, the best you can, having that margin is, should lead hopefully to some other stuff. There's like so much in this conversation. It's really, it's really great. Uh, but the same way you were saying you were expecting Mega Maker to like do so much of that for you. And I, and even the same mm-hmm. with relationships, right? It's like we expect our spouse to be our best friend, our lover, our this or that. It's like mm-hmm. not everything in our life needs to do all the things. Like where can we get what we need from different parts of our business? And I think also like defining success is a big part of that too. For me, like a great client is not just a client that's paying me a shit ton of money, but it's like, can I get aligned with what they're up to? Do I like them as a person? Do I, am I energized after a call with them? And like my criteria is going to be very different than, than someone else. So if someone's thinking of starting up a SaaS business, it's like, great, that might be very aligned for you. But also there are lots of other interesting ways of making money that might actually be a better use of your skill set or might bring in more money. There's so many different ways of got to get out of your bubble, right? Of when you're only surrounded by software developers. And I mean, this is a whole other tangent I could go on um, (laughs) because I'm in a lot of very women heavy, like female entrepreneur lifestyle over here. And then in a lot of very male centric bootstrapped software developers are very different, right? It's like each of these is very different vibe, very different ways of speaking, very different language, right? So I see these very interesting, interesting ways of showing up in business. And I'm like, whoa, like, 
if you are not crossing out of your own bubble, if you only mm -hmm. are a woman building businesses for other women, like, and you're missing out on this over here. And if men aren't kind of tuned in and seeing like, do you know how many women coaches are making so much money in online coaching programs? Like, holy crap, there's so many fascinating ways people are making money that I think when you get in your bubble, you, you don't actually see what other people are doing over there. Whether that's a gendered conversation or not, it's just something that I've I've definitely noticed. Yeah, no, I love that. I that that part is, you know, yeah, like I I think one of the things that maybe the only advantage to being severely depressed, uh, what I <laughs> like I was two or three years ago, like I was so depressed that the 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 advantage is like you're just willing to look at everything. Like every foundation you ever built your life on, every ideology, every idea you've had since you were a kid of how life is supposed to be, and these new ones you picked up, like these are the people like me, and I want to be like them. Got nothing to lose, right? <laughs> yeah, you've got nothing to lose. And the consideration, the consideration of looking at other folks, you know, I started asking my barber, like, how does your business work? How do conferences work in your area? Like, what's the community like? Um, you know, how do people make progress in your... And it was fascinating. I learned so much just from that one conversation. And it opened me up to, you know, all sorts of ideas that I hadn't been exposed to before. Yeah, so I think there is something about getting out of your bubble and considering especially if you've been trying this for a long, long time. Like if you've been trying to build a software business for a long, long time and it's been miserable, I don't know what that <laughs> threshold is, but it seems like eventually like we got to move on and try something else, you know? And I think you almost have to agree in advance. What is the runway I'm willing to give myself in this process? Like, is it a year? Is it two years? Is it three? And like, what are the milestones that you can at least check against to be like, do I keep going or is there no momentum here? And I do think a lot of people build software for for themselves kind of. It's like, oh, I want to build a thing that does X. And it's not solving a thing that people are asking for. Or I mean, even Ben's kind of guilty of that too. He'd be like, oh, I could do a software for that. I'm like, or you could just build a Notion template and like it's done and you can start <laughs> making money this afternoon, right? It's like how much of that effort and upfront effort does it have to be a software? Like, why are you choosing the format before you're choosing the problem that you're that you're solving? So I think sometimes people get too attached to the format than the problem. Yeah, and yeah, too attached to the format and 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 not thinking about. I mean, sometimes formats important in in the sense that you might want the format to to motivate you in a intellectual or you know a technical sense, but. Yeah format if if there ultimately if you have this outcome that you want which is you want to take 3 months off every year and go travel or whatever if that's the outcome you want then yeah whatever format you choose it needs to naturally lead to that and if if there's no connection there or if the connection is tenuous it i think that that there's some reflection there of okay is there another way of looking at this? Yeah. Like, like, could I, could I do something different and get what I want as opposed to staying in this boat, you know? And like, how, how painful is that problem for people, right? Like, uh, there's like, sometimes I'll get people to reverse engineer from a price point. I'm like, what would a $10,000 offer that solves that problem look like? Like how, how painful is that problem? And is someone willing to pay for that? What does a thousand dollar offer look? Or like, sometimes it's fun to start with format just as a brainstorming tool. Like what's the book, what's the framework, what's the sat, like, what yeah. are those? And then also reverse engineer from price point or also reverse engineer from what's the highest effort thing that like, what's the most energy and most effort that it takes you to do what you do? And then what is like the hands-free version of that? And I feel like once you play around with the formats and don't get so stuck, interesting ideas might emerge that you hadn't really thought of before. Yeah. Is, is there a way of mapping that all out in Notion? <laughs> I'm, wor I'm working on it. <laughs> it's emerging. Well, is, yeah. <laughs> this has been so great. I actually, I want to leave it here because I feel like we could go for longer, I but I like leaving people wanting more. <laughs> so 
I, I, uh, we're going to leave it here and we'll have you back on, especially folks, if you, if this is resonating with you, uh, just get us on Twitter. Uh, you're Marie Poulin, right? Yep. I'll put that in the show notes. I'm the letter M, the letter I, Justin. Um, and yeah, you can find us online. We'd love to hear how some of this is just hitting you in the car or while you're doing dishes or whatever. Um, <laughs> Whatever that is, let us know, and then we'll do a follow-up. Uh, where, where can people find you? Where should they find your projects these days? How do they find that secret the Notion secret course thing. that is online? <laughs> MariePoolin.com slash Notion dash mastery. Oh, wow. That really is not on your website. Uh, I know, because it's still in beta. <laughs> wow. People keep finding it. <laughs> I'm going to put it in the show notes, and people will be able to find it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Yeah, MariePullen.com is probably the best place to find me and always on Twitter and Instagram. They can hit me up anytime. Perfect. Well, thanks again for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks. And a special thanks to everyone who supports us on Patreon. If if you want to support us on Patreon and get a shout out, go to patreon.com slash John. Justin, here we go. Chris Willow, Mason Hensley, Borea Solar, Ward Sandler, Eric Lima, James Sowers, Travis Fisher, Matt Buckley, Russell Brown, Vandro Sassy, Perduma, Shambecker, Noah Prale, Robert Simplicio, Colin Gray, Josh Smith, Ivan Kirkovic, Brian Ray, hire that guy, Shane Smith, Austin Loveless, Simon Bennett, Michael Sitver, Paul Jarvis, and Jack Ellis, Dan Buddha, John Buddha's brother, Darby Frey, Samori Augusto, Dave Young, Brad from Canada, Sammy Schukert, Mike Walker, Adam Duvander. Hey, you won. Hey, you won one of the prizes in the contest. And Dave Junta. Junta. And thanks also to Kyle Fox at GetRewardful.com. We will see you next week. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.